Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS, and part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Mitch Light. We talk about Vanderbilt's loss to Stanford. So with that, let's get right into our interview with Mitch. Mitch Light joins me today. He is a college football editor at The Athletic. Mitch, hope your weekend was good. It certainly was an interesting one as far as football is concerned. Yeah, uh, definitely. This uh, season as a whole, Chris, seems like it is in a good way uh, kind of off the rails a little bit uh, for, I think, 90% of the fan base and our fans and, and media out there who follow it closely would love to see some new blood or just at least some more competitive games when we're involving the teams at the top, and we are clearly seeing that so far. Yeah, I actually like it. And before we get into Vandy, I thought one thing that I kind of wanted to see out of the Alabama-Florida game was that it would be interesting that it wasn't one of these – 41 to 14 Alabama games like we have seen so many times even against great teams so I think to me between that game between A&M showing some cracks and some things in the middle with the SEC with some things looking good at times I think it's a very interesting season in college football and particularly for the SEC yeah I mean I was uh doing something at work so i was only half watching the florida alabama game and but definitely had it on it was 21 to 3 and it was a you know here we go again this is this is going to be just you know just non-competitive and obviously it turned out to be very competitive and i, I look i'll still say georgia and alabama still look like the, the top two teams but then after that you've got that uh, very good next year with texas a&m uh Ole Miss looks like it belongs in that tier florida's it belongs in that tier so uh yeah it should be uh interesting year and then just nationally, same thing. You know, Clemson in the past, we kind of just looked at them and didn't have to pay attention to them until the, the maybe the ACC championship game. But now they struggled with a, a not very good Georgia Tech team. Um, their offense has been very, very bad. So it's it's going to be interesting. I don't think that I'm in lockstep with some people on A&M. I know that defense is great, but I've watched that offense a lot. They have trouble making simple throws right now. They couldn't pass protect that well against New Mexico. To me, that team has got some issues. Yeah, obviously the injury to Haynes King hurts because well, he threw three picks in the first game, but you know he, he won the job, and, and he you know you, you assume they made the right choice there that that he um, was their best quarterback. Um, but their defense is really really good. Uh, I think they play a they play almost two weeks um after you know, they play Ole Miss coming up soon that, that will be uh very interesting but right now well they've I, got Arkansas at Jerry's World this yeah. weekend and that'll be super interesting yeah you know uh, Zach Calzada so far hasn't been great um they've got Connor Wegman a five-star coming in next year uh, you know and then Haynes King obviously should be back so but but I'm with you R- right now for as well as they've recruited they don't exactly scare you offensively Right State, uh, you got the right state on the the matchup two weekends from now, but just the wrong team. They play Mississippi State, so okay, okay. which had an interesting game in its own right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, another SEC team goes to Liberty Bowl and, and loses. We've seen that quite a bit over the past decade. Let's talk Vandy. Your impressions on that performance against Stanford? Um, 
you know, if you would have told me before the season what type of game I'd expect probably Vanderbilt Stanford in week three, it's probably what I would have expected Vanderbilt to be competitive and to be able to move the ball some and have a lot of trouble stopping Stanford. Um, that's kind of what we saw. You know, we kind of recalibrated after the ETSU game and then recalibrated again after the Colorado State game. By the way, that's why college football is so weird. Colorado State goes on the road and beats Toledo 22-6 to one week after Toledo almost beat Notre Dame. So go figure all that. Um, you know, Stanford, the, the the week one loss to Kansas State looks a little more forgivable now after Kansas State's 3-0 and ranked. And obviously, Stanford's played much better offensively since they made the quarterback change. And, you know, for Vanderbilt to win a game like that, they've got to be almost perfect and just kind of doomed by the end of the first half. You know, obviously, everyone knows what happened. Uh, you can't just – you can't have that happen and expect to win. Um, played better, you know, second – in the second half defensively, I'm sure, you know, Stanford probably was a little more conservative. Uh, so, you know, n- not a surprising result. I think the team, you know, is getting better. They showed some more signs offensively. I thought the offensive line was, was better for the most part. Uh, obviously some big plays in the running game. Uh, I hate to see Davis go down like that. I don't, you might know, hopefully he's, he, it's nothing long term. Um, but, you know, uh, better, but now obviously the competition level goes up uh, even greater coming up soon. The computers are all over the place on Stanford. Sagarin's got them 24. SP Plus has got them 69. You've got a few in between. What's your guess on where they are? I mean, I'm thinking probably right in the middle of that somewhere, but you follow this pretty heavily, and I'm just trying to get a sense of of what it is that Vanderbilt just faced in terms of overall quality because, to me, that looked pretty close to an average FBS-type team. I think they're a top 40-ish team. Uh, you know, top 50. Um, who knows in the Pac-12 this year? Obviously, uh, it was. It's been a, a disastrous season outside of Oregon so far, uh, for, for the most part. So, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they went seven and two in that league, or if they went four and five in that league. The, you know, we talked before the talent level isn't what it was there four or five years ago, but they still have some athletes. They, they're both their running backs, who obviously were very good on Saturday, average 10 yards carry. They're, they're two of their Two of their better players, um, and, you know, the cornerback quarterback, quarterback was highly recruited too. They have not been great on defense basically since you know the end of the Derek Mason era there. So I, I think it's a solid middle of the packish Pac-12 team. Vanderbilt, let's talk about the offense. What was your take on the play calling and the suddenly going away from up tempo where that seemed to work early on? Um. Yeah, as we talk over the years, I'm always reluctant to, you know, I'm not, 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 you know, not in the meetings of the week, don't know the plan. Um, they seem to have had more success um, going up tempo. So, you know, uh, it's easy to second guess. Uh, but, you know, play calling, I don't really have a, a ton of issue with it. I don't know the personnel as well as I did when I was doing the sideline reporting, you know, the availability, who's around. You might know this more than me, Chris. I, I haven't read anything about it. You know, it seems like Cam Johnson wasn't as involved as he had been in, in the previous week there. Um, but, you know, uh, so, so n- no major issues on my end. Yeah, Cam wasn't on the field as much at first. I'm looking at snap counts by Pro Football Focus. He had 53 snaps. Last week, they had 86 total as a team, and you had four guys play that. They were all four offensive linemen. Defensively, one guy who got an uptick in snaps 
was Dericky right? I'm presuming that's an injury there holding him back because he didn't look so good in fall camp, and they just don't have athletes like him. Uh, so that's one that kind of went the opposite way. And, and to that, let's talk about what you saw on defense. Uh, just kind of a tale of two games for me. They were they were really bad at the start. Um, you know, better in the middle. And, and better at the end, I guess. I don't know. I still thought their DBs got beat way too often. But um, just I'll, let's get your take on it. You've heard mine. Yeah, just just without looking at any X's and O's, just statistically and watching the game, just not enough resistance, not making things um, difficult enough for the opponent. You know, the first the first couple drives, you know, Stanford, same like Colorado State was that was you know, ridiculously easy how early they scored early. Uh, Stanford was was moved moved the ball pretty much at will. You're just not going to win uh, many games when you're giving up uh, with seven. They gave seven point five yards per play, two running backs, ten yards per carry. You have to be when the other teams that successful. You're putting yourself in bad third down positions, um, and then you know it's just you, you, you just the. the, the Excuse me. The conversion rate's going to just be too high there. You know, one, one interesting thing. This doesn't really answer your question. Is like, and I think it's partly a lot of it's because the other team is scoring quickly. But Vanderbilt was on the field for 84 plays. Stanford was 56 for the season. Vanderbilt's uh, run 238 plays. That's second in the SEC, and they've their defense has only been on the field for 186 plays. But again, when you're last in the league and or second to last, I think Missouri's last in the league in yards per play defensively. When the other team is getting six yards per play, they're scoring quickly, and so your defense is getting off the field. Um, so yeah, they just I, it, it's the second game in a row where they've gotten better throughout the game defensively, uh, but just from a personnel standpoint, they're just they're just getting overmatched early in games, and teams are scoring way too quickly, way, way too easily. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Well, and it's not just this team. I mean, that's two games in a row where they spot teams 14 points very quickly. But it seemed like Mason's teams at the end of his career did that too. They just they, – they come out that first quarter and it just looks way too easy too often. And, look, it's – the talent is what it is. And that's got most of what there is to do with it. But you do see some differences in the way they played other points in ball games, and in the beginning, I guess, would be my point. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
teams are doing something they're not ready for. With the, it's, it's hard to say um, if it's just execution, um, guys, you know, not being in the right place, and you know, um, certain times we can. I forgot what game it was. In um, this isn't making any excuses for the coaches or anything, but it's interesting. Um, might have been an Ohio State game two weeks ago. The Ohio State um, forgot which game it was. And Joel Klatt, who you know, I think is one of the best announcers uh color guys there is in the business and obviously knows the game very well singled out a specific player i think it was a safety in ohio state for making a mistake and it came out that it was not his fault i think that happens a lot it's very difficult to watch a game and say that guy made you know obviously if it's a one-on-one situation or you get out athleted that's one thing but it's difficult to say so you know i i don't know why teams are scoring that easily um i think a lot of it has to do with the lack of pressure on the quarterback, you know, Vanderbilt got its first sack of the season and one sack through three games when you played an FCS team, Colorado State and Stanford, that's just not going to cut it. It's football's too easy when playing offense is too easy when you're not when your quarterback isn't getting pressured at all. I think we know they've got serious limitations where it comes to size, strength, speed. And at this point of the season, there's nothing you can do about those. But where can they realistically get better on each side of the ball? I think offensive line can get better. Um, I think we saw them get better. Um, clearly, they've gotten better since since week one. I think that's a, a, a cohesion thing. I think last year we saw the offensive line kind of overachieve. So I think you can get better. Your skill guys kind of are what they are. Um, I think for the most part, obviously, you can get better in technique and all that stuff. Um, I think – your quarterback play can can get better as Seals gets more more experience there, and we saw them have a lot of success in the first half. You know, we're ba- balancing the mix, the, the mixing the pass and the run. Um, but you know, uh, maybe some of the young guys in the secondary, although some of the guys are playing have been around four or five years, like you know, John Jerkins and 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 you know George and some of those guys. So um, I, I would look at the offensive line as the part where where you can see some improvement, and that's where you really want to see some improvement going forward because it, it, we all know it all starts with the offensive line. If you can't do anything, if you can't protect, it's it's so difficult uh, to have a you know an efficient offense. I guess this isn't the easiest question to answer because we don't have a history of Clark Lee. Uh, for several years as a head coach but you went to a couple of practices and and some of the young kids talent wise look like they were better than some of the guys on the team now now look there's a whole big jump between there and getting on the field but through three games I am surprised you're not seeing more freshmen true freshmen on the field I mean true freshmen what what is a freshman anymore after all these COVID rules and everything but I mean first year on campus guys just to clarify, but I am a little surprised that we've not seen more guys on the field at defensive back and defensive line uh, who were their first year on campus just because they're going to have to start developing some of those guys. Again, not necessarily a criticism. I'm not at practice. I'm not in the film room. I don't know what the coaches know and don't know. Coaches want to win games, want to get their best players out there, but I think I would have expected um, you know, something a little different than what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, you kind of answered it there. It's hard to say we're not a practice. I was at two practices, so you know, don't pretend to say I, I can say should be playing. Not not surprising the defensive line. I mean, there are. It is very difficult to play as a true freshman on the defensive line, and you know, I just I work closely with you know Ohio State because I work with Bill Ennis, our Ohio State writer, and you know they've obviously got some. You know, they, they've got two 
of the top five national recruits on their defensive line. Now they're, they also have better upperclassmen, obviously, th- than Vanderbilt does too. But, you know, some Ohio State fans I know are wondering, like, why isn't Jack Sawyer one of, the, one of the guys playing more and stuff? It's just – it's very difficult uh, to play right away on the defensive line. Uh, secondary, you know, n- not so much. I, I would say that's one of the – you know, you got you to gotta know what you're doing and all that stuff. But I would say from a from athletically and physically, that's probably you know they say what skill position guys, wide receivers and running backs, especially running backs, a position where you can play right away. I think physically, probably defensive backs one as well. But I, I couldn't couldn't sit here and say this guy should be playing over another guy, obviously because we're not at practice and we don't really know enough of you know what guys are getting looks and, and you know going with the first team, second team, and scout team and all that. Well, and just for some clarity on your Ohio State comment, that team's having a miserable year defensively. I think they're giving up over 450 yards a game. I don't know what that is a play, but my point in saying that is, you know, you could say, well, it's Ohio State. They're normally not going to have to rely on on kids like that because they've got so many upperclassmen. Well, this year they don't, and I think that just sort of proves your point about it being tough to get on the field at defensive line. And frankly, I don't remember – a lot of true freshmen at Vanderbilt that played on the defensive line. Uh, I mean, I say played. You you might see some guys that had 60 or 70 snaps in garbage time. But in terms of impact, I can't think of many, if any. No. Uh, I mean, going way back to when I was in school, I think James Manley might have uh, played. But, you know, he was obviously one of the higher recruit, top recruits of the the Donardo era. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think. And ideally, when you're recruiting – like Vanderbilt does, where you get mostly three stars and, you know, I guess top six, 700 guys and, you know, sprinkle in some top 500 guys. You, you probably, ideally, you want them to play, to be ready to start their, their set, maybe their second, third or fourth year on campus. I mean, that that's, it's a college basketball term, but it's like you want to get old and stay old. So you, you'd ideally love to have guys ready to start by their third and fourth year on campus, two-year starters and kind of rotate out like that. And that's what the staff talks about when they want to be a developmental program. Um, you know, the, uh, the the caliber of player they're bringing in, probably those guys should not be starting right away. Yeah, and to your point, most of the guys who are playing are third and fourth year guys. That's the case on both sides of the ball, sometimes fifth. And, um, you know, I, I think if they're not developing at that point, you – you kind of got your answer on what the future looks like there. Yeah, and that's always been a – this is more of a big picture thing, uh, which you don't want to see when you're trying to develop a program is always going to the young guys because the guys that you brought in, if they don't pan out, then of course you want to go to the young guy, but you want to see those guys pan out. So it's it's fun to see some freshmen, true freshmen and young guys play, but ideally that means you've kind of probably made some, had some recruiting misses that your, that your older guys aren't playing. Um, so it's a, you know, like, like I said, and that, that's what happens when you get, like, I don't pretend to know the Wake Forest roster that well, but that's a school that recruits and it's a different league. I get it, you know, put Vanderbilt in the ACC and they're more competitive, but Vanderbilt recruits better than Wake Forest. The number from the number standpoint, but Wake Forest is a program that's gotten old and stays old because they develop guys. They you know, they redshirt almost everyone, and they're just there's a consistency there. You're not seeing, uh, you know, they don't they're not seeing big peaks in, in valleys. They've been pretty consistent. And, you know, Dave Clawson's obviously a good coach, and Clark Lee learned a lot f- from Dave Clawson. So I think that's kind of the model as far as the way you want to develop players um, and not have to rely on young guys very often. 
Let's go to the mailbag that is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Door King says, what do you think about offensive play calling and scheme, and how would you grade it? Uh, I've talked about it before. I mean, I, I don't want this to sound as a cop-out. I just, you know, I, I don't know enough to know like back when I was doing sideline I went to practices more it was at practice at least once a week I talked to the coaches every week I kind of knew a little bit more about what the plan of attack was not that I was involved in the game plan or any stretch I knew the personnel better um so you know I, I just I, I kind of withhold uh, comment on that because um you know I, I would agree that it seems like some of the up-tempo stuff is working uh better but they, they ran the ball better and you know it seemed especially in the first half they were uh, throwing the ball pretty well. So, um, I understand that when, when things don't go well, that's, that's an obvious place to look at, but I, it's just very difficult in my position to sit here and, and say it's, they're doing, you know, for me to grade them. Really like this question. HD young three asks an upgrade in talent at what position group would have the biggest impact on the first three games? Um, that is a good question. Um, yeah, and this is this thought. is why, if I can interrupt you before you go, this is why I think this is a really interesting question and why I have a hard time answering because, I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into that. I mean, you could take the same player and under different strength and conditioning, maybe the, the outcomes are different. And they've been so poor there that it's hard to isolate some things, especially along the line of scrimmage. But that, that's just my little interjection before um, you give your answer. Yeah, um, I mean, I think my first answer would be in the offensive line in the first two games, especially the first game. If the offensive line was better, I mean, I, I know the question's more like a talent upgrade, but I'm looking more from a performance upgrade. If the offensive line was better in the first game, I think that you know they probably win that game, but it wasn't. You could say that about any position, but the defense as a whole has been the problem. I would think through three games when you're again you're averaging giving up six point. I think it's six yards per play or something like that. Second to last in the conference. Um, you know, the defensive line, which we thought might be a strength of the defense before the season is just n- not getting any pressure. So I, I guess I'll answer it saying not just the defensive line, but the front seven, if they were able to get more pressure on the quarterback for the first three games, we'd see a more positive result. Like, I don't know if there'd be any different between one and two, they could be two and one with a win over ETSU. But I think the, 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 perf- the overall performance would be better if they found a way to get more pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, offensive line talent, to me, that's that's hard to judge. A lot of it is based on strength and conditioning. And, you know, I, I don't know that you can – you can see some guys, the elite guys, how fast they move, uh, and, and that jumps off the page. But maybe for a lot of guys out there, it doesn't. Now, defense is different. Um, you can see speed in the secondary. That has shown up the way that I, I feared it would this year. And I think really quick twitch – pass rusher types, um, you know, on the edges. I think they thought they had maybe some guys there, um, but they apparently don't, um, at least not in a way that's shown up in performance. But I think to me, um, those are a couple of areas that are identifiable that that you can definitely say (laughs) they need better players there. Yeah, I mean – the. Football is very complex sport, but it's also a very simple sport. If you can protect the quarterback, you're going to do good things on offense. And if you can get after the quarterback, you're going to do good things on defense. And, you know, again, there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, But to me, those are, you know, 
if you ask someone to, to boil down football, if you can defensively, if you can get pressure on a quarterback without blitzing with just your front four or whatever, you're, you're usually going to be pretty good defensively. Yeah, to me, if you want to boil the season down to, to one thing, it's that other teams are having a pretty easy time disrupting Vanderbilt's pass plays before they have time to develop, and Vanderbilt is not doing enough to do the opposite or do the same to other teams. I mean, there's a lot of issues, but to me, that's – that's like if you want to encapsulate the biggest one in the sentence, there it is. Yeah, and that's why if you look at the recruiting rankings, um, the you know that's why there's so many defensive linemen who are highly ranked in five stars because they're the recruiting rankings are kind of based on projectability to end up being first round draft picks, and that's why there's so many guys, and that's what that's what teams want is they want the the the, uh, the defensive the defensive tackles who can you know clog the middle and defensive ends and outside linebackers who can get after the quarterback. It's pretty simple. Mitch, I'm out of questions today. Anything that you'd like to add before we end the podcast? Uh, not really. Um, I was just looking at the stats. The only thing that really jumped out at me, I was surprised, not surprised, but the fact that, you know, Vanderbilt is running so many plays. I think that's the, the, the methodical, you know, not not having many big plays to score in the Colorado State game. They kind of moved the ball down the field and, and they had some big runs, I know, in the Stanford game, but for the most part, just moving the ball down the field. Um and then just, you know, the, the fact that they haven't been on the field defensively for a lot of plays, which is a good thing as far as not getting worn down, but it's a bad thing when teams are scoring that easily. Um, so if you want to know what the problem is with, with Vanderbilt against some of the, you know, a lot of teams go look at Shane Beamer's. I'm sure a lot of people have seen his clip when someone asked him after the um, what happened, why South Carolina got blown out. Like what makes Georgia's defense so good? Did you see that clip? I assume you did. I didn't, but I watched part of the game, and it's pretty okay. obvious. <laughs> yeah, well, no, Google Shane Beamer, George, or whatever. He, it was his post-game press conference, and he was, someone asked a question. He was like, well, what do you think the deal is? They Look at Georgia. They've got, I mean, I think they got 15 five-stars on defense. they got a 347-pound defensive tackle who runs a 4-7. Like, it was sort of like he was just brutally honest. It's like one of those things where you got to admit that the team you just played was far superior to you in talent, and that's why – the same teams have been dominating college football. We talked earlier in the podcast. Maybe that will change soon, but uh, it's we can sit here and talk about scheme and talk about everything. But it comes down to having you know getting players and uh, and developing those players. And 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 right now we know that's the issue at Vanderbilt. Um, so you know it's, it's it is what it is, so to so to speak. And uh, you know they just uh, that's why there's a new coaching staff right now. You know the South Carolina folks were rink, really drinking the Kool Aid on Shane Beamer. Uh, during that hiring process. And I think I can kind of see why now. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is, uh, and, uh, I've worked closely with South Carolina too. I, I like Shane Beamer. I mean, the, the, I think the hire made so so much sense, except he's never been a head coach. You know, he, he's worked, he, he obviously worked for his father, worked in South Carolina under Spurrier during the, the, the glory years there, went to Georgia, went to Oklahoma. He's been around a lot of different programs. He's seen what it's supposed to look like and all that stuff. They're recruiting pretty well. We'll find out down the road if he's a good head coach. I mean, that's what you get when you – that's the, the gamble you take anytime you hire a first-time head coach. Uh, he, was a, he was a head coach that, that made a lot of sense for South Carolina. Not sure he made a lot of sense at other schools. Some guys are just good fits place at certain places. I think he'll be a good fit at South Carolina. But they, you know, they've got good running backs, and they're pretty good in the line of scrimmage. But other than that, they've got a, a major talent disadvantage compared to the elite teams in the league, just like most teams do. Although their best running back is hurt, and I have questions, he's going to be well again. So um. yeah, they're pretty deep. That's their uh, they they go three four deep. But I mean, Kevin Harris obviously led the SEC in rushing uh, last year uh, out of nowhere, pretty much. Um, but they are 
you know, I guess Josh Van played pretty well wide receiver. I didn't see much of that game, but um, they, 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 from a recruiting standpoint, from a talent standpoint, they should be better. You know, they, they've recruited at the top 25 level over the last four or five years or longer than that, but just performance and just looking at their roster, it's not, it's not, they're not capable right now of really competing with the top teams in the league. Mitch, before you go, give out your Twitter account and promote anything that you'd like to promote at The Athletic. Uh, it's at Mitch Light. And just, uh, yeah, just n- normal. You know, I think we do a great job covering college football. we got the biggest college football staff out there. Um, and uh, a lot of great, you know, six, seven national writers and stuff. And if you if you happen to like the Atlanta Braves like Chris does or any major league team, we got a beat writer for every team, NFL, NHL, everything there. So, uh, yeah, so it's at TheAthletic.com. Yeah, your MLB coverage is terrific too. Speaking as a as a big MLB fan, so um, Mitch, good. thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you again next week. All right, sounds good, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk, and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.